It's time for the Car Doctor on AM 950 WROL. Got a car question? Call us at 617-770-3030. That's 617-770-3030. Now, here's the Car Doctor, John Paul, on AM 950 WROL, the spirit of Boston. Good Saturday morning, everyone, and welcome to another edition of the Car Doctor Program on AM 950 WROL, the spirit of Boston, or perhaps even 100.3 FM. If you're in the metro Boston area, you can check in with us there, or of course online at WROLradio.com, or uh, any of the streaming radio sites, you'll find us there. And of course, you can find past programs on my podcast site, which is... Uh, uh, johnfpaul.podomatic.com, or you can check out the uh, Car Doctor podcast Facebook page where uh, there's usually a link to everything. So you can uh, you can check it out and find everything you need to find right there. So Today we are going to be talking with Jim Graham. He is the global manager of Ford Driving Skills for Life. It's a good, safe driving event that is going to be taking place up in North Andover next weekend. We'll be talking to him about that in a little bit. And we'll also be talking with Bob Tasca from Tasca Ford and Bob Tasca III, the funny car driver. We should be talking with him shortly. So we have that plan. We are going to be reviewing the Nissan Armada, which is a big Nissan SUV. We'll be doing that. Uh, we have a lot of stuff in the news. We're going to be giving away a pair of tickets to the Newport Boat Show. So that will be coming up. So we have we have a lot of stuff going on today. So lots of stuff, lots of stuff to do, lots of things to talk about. And if you probably didn't notice, it's also the 10 millionth Mustang coming up. We got a lot of things going on. Ten million of the Mustangs. Yes, it's a it's a strange voice that's back on the air. I know. Hey, it's Dennis. We'll we'll get to you in a bit. Okay. All right. But right now, why don't we get to uh, Bob Tasca, the fastest guy that I know, at least. Uh, Bob Tasca the third. Bob. Good morning. Good morning, John. How you doing? I'm doing just great. Hey, you got you got all kinds of excitement going on down at your down at one of your stores today, right? Yes, this is our 21st annual Mustang and Live Music event. I tell you, it's, uh, it's something that we started many years ago, and it's, it's a wonderful event. Admission is two canned goods benefiting the Rhode Island Food Bank. We're going to have hundreds of show cars out here. i got my race team in town. We're going to have the funny car out. Uh, 2 o'clock this afternoon, we're going to start it up and hit the throttle a couple of times. It's, uh, it's always an amazing uh, show, and we, have a, we always get an amazing turnout. And uh, you know, I'm I'm about fifty miles away from you. I'm pretty sure I'm going to be able to hear you start that up. Yeah, you know, it's funny because we get a lot of first timers that come out to this show, and when we start the car up, I always explain, you know, you know, find an exit strategy, small kids, protect your ears, and you know, some people are looking at you like you're a little out of your mind, and then they hear it start up, and they absolutely can't believe the energy. And then when we hit the throttle, I literally have to have. Three guys, uh, two on the back and one on the front, that are standing holding the chassis down because when you just crack the throttle, it jumps a couple inches off the jack stand. It's uh, it's something to see. If you've never seen it and you're near uh, Cranston, Rhode Island, Tasca Ford, uh, come on by at 2 o'clock. We're going to start it up. We've got live music. The Driftwoods are here. And 
Uh, it's going to be a fun afternoon. Let's talk about that hot rod a little bit. Uh, you know, people always talk about regular cars zero to sixty times, and the you know the latest factory Mustang you know is pretty quick zero to sixty. Uh, your car is uh, how fast zero to sixty? Half second. Half second Half zero second. to sixty. Yeah, people don't even believe it. I mean, it's it's something that you have to see to believe. I mean, I'm, I I have had I don't know. I had two thousand plus runs in one of these cars and. I still can't believe as a human being in the car at the finish line that knows when to stop it. Uh, but it'll go zero to 60 and a half seconds, zero to 100 in about eight-tenths of a second. And then, uh, you know, just last weekend, we went 3.9 seconds, 322 miles an hour and 1,000 feet, which was uh, good enough to be number two qualifier in Indianapolis. And I, I remember years ago I was talking to uh, Don Garlitz, and he, and he told me the time he broke 200 miles an hour, and even he said he didn't think he would see 300 miles an hour, and now, now guys are doing it pretty routinely. Well, not only that, we're doing 322, 330 miles an hour at 1,000 feet, so that's 320 feet you know, shorter than where they were at a quarter mile, so... It's it's extraordinary. I mean, I, I mean, I certainly believe that we're hitting some of the limits of what we can do. Uh, not not so much uh, from what we're able to do, but from what the sanctioning body, NHRA, is taking some pretty aggressive measures to slow us down uh, because we just continue to break speed records. And you know, at some point, you know, it, it becomes a safety issue just trying to stop these cars. Well, you had a little bit of excitement last weekend, right? Yeah, I tell you, you know, we were so disappointed. Car ran, lights out, we were number two qualifier uh, on Friday night. We were uh, one of the quickest cars uh, all day on Sunday. And then Monday morning was eliminations at the biggest race of the year. And, you know, we were running number 15 qualifier. I had a huge starting line advantage, and the car was really pulling hard, you know, early in the run. And then it just started to lose traction in, you know, a freak accident, broken intake valve. And in one of these cars, when you break an intake valve with almost five gallons of nitromethane that's in the manifold and the supercharger, uh, they'll go bang. And, and we had a monster explosion. Still almost won the race on fire, 300, going through the lights. But uh, that's, that's what these cars are. They're very unpredictable. They're violent, violent cars to drive and to see. Uh, but unfortunately for us, it, it ended our day. Uh, but trust me, this team's made a lot of progress this year. We've got a great race car. We've qualified in the top five, you know, I think four out of the last six races. So we're we're going to be a team to reckon with these last six races of the year. Yeah, no, no. The uh, I I saw some some of the video of that, and uh, that's not for the faint of heart. No, no. I tell you, I've had my share too. It's it's been a tough year for me with explosions. I think I went ten years driving with maybe you know, two or three big explosions, and, you know, this year I had five, uh, you know, my worst being in Richmond, Virginia, uh, earlier this summer, you know, that one was bad because it lit the oil on fire. If it can just burn the nitro off, the fire normally goes out pretty quick, but when it lights the oil on fire, then you're in for a, uh, you know, pretty, pretty serious ride. Uh, but hey, you know, that's, you know, I, I've done this a long time. I, I know what to do. I trust the safety equipment and, you know, NHRA, Safety Safari, you know, before that car comes to a stop, those guys are in fire suits, you know, diving in after you. So we got we got all the protocol uh, to keep us safe. Yeah, really. And uh, let's talk a little bit about uh, Tasker Ford down in Cranston. About a month ago, uh, the 10 millionth Mustang, I guess, rolled off the assembly line. And, and you've always said, you know, you're a Ford kid. You'll always be a Ford. 
Ford kid, and uh, you you and you have your uh, you have your uh, mod shop down there. If the if the newest Mustang isn't hot enough, you can help them out, right? Well, I can tell you one thing: you can come down today and see some pretty unbelievable Mustangs. And for me, one of those ten million Mustangs was my first car when I turned sixteen. My grandfather had it built for me, and a pretty cool story. Uh, just a few months ago, I found the car, believe it or not, on Craigslist. And it was in as good a condition as the day I sold it. I just, I'm looking at the car now. I can't believe the condition the car's in. Uh, so we have that on display. Uh, we have some of the newest Mustangs on display. We got some old Mustangs on display and we got some really, really hopped up thousand horsepower, you know, late model Mustangs that my brother's, my brother actually just built one for himself. It's just incredible the power that we can make out of these, uh, you know, these new Mustangs. Yeah, the, the new Mustangs, the new Mustangs, as as good as they were when they came out, they keep getting better and faster every year. They they seem to ride better, they handle better, and on top of that, they're getting great fuel fuel economy. It's unbelievable. I mean, what they've done with that car, I think it's a testament. You know, there's still ten million of them. Not many, not many vehicles can say that that are on the road. Uh, but it's the number one selling sports car, you know, since it came into existence. And they just keep getting better and better. And if you haven't driven one, you really got to get inside one of these cars. They're incredible. So uh, back to the show. What time What time is it? And, again, price of admission, uh, a little bit of food for the, for the Rhode Island Food Pantry. Yeah, we've supported the Food Pantry for almost 20 years. Um, it's 10 to 4. Uh, there'll be live music. We'll start right around uh, 10, 30, 11 o'clock. And uh, 2 o'clock, we'll start up the, the funny car right around 2 o'clock. You'll get to see the guys actually throughout the day, you know, assemble the car. The guys are rolling around the trailer now. So it's kind of a show just to see them put it together. And uh, then we'll start it up at 2, and admission is two canned goods to benefit the Rhode Island Food Bank. And and let me know if you see my boss Mark Shaw wandering around. I know he's got three Mustangs oh, now. I'm so sure, I'm sure I'm sure he'll be wandering around. He's a big uh, Mustang aficionado, and uh, he's always here. Yeah. Hey Bob, thanks for taking some time out of your Saturday. I know you got I know you got a lot going on today, and I truly appreciate it. And we'll talk to you soon. Always a pleasure, my friend. All right, thanks. take Bye. care. Bye bye. That was Bob Tasker. Uh, I always called him Bobby Tasker, but uh, Bob Tasker the third, his grandfather, uh, Bob Tasker Senior. Uh, when I first met him, I met him years ago, and he he was talking about how he worked with Ford and how he did this and how he did that, and I honestly thought it was a little over exaggerated, and then. I was talking to somebody from Ford, and they're like, "Oh no, it's, you know, he we consult with him on a lot of things. He was the one who designed the first Taurus SHO. Uh, he's the one who put some hot engines in some cars. He really brought excitement to Ford, and uh, and he just just a real interesting but low key guy at the same time. Uh, when we were talking about quality of cars once." He was, and this was uh, must be 15, 20 years ago. And we were talking about how the Ford Taurus did compared to something like a Toyota Camry. And he said, you know, the 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 problem was, and it, the problem he wanted to address with Ford, the perception of quality with a Camry from one to ten is a ten. The perception of quality for Ford Taurus might have been a five. The reality of it was the Camry was probably an 8, and the Taurus was probably a 7. 
So they're actually really close together, but it was that perception of quality is is what it was. And and his his focus then, among other things, was to try to really work with Ford to try to bring up their uh, perception of how how good the cars are. And all cars are good today. That, there's there's part of it. I mean, you you just go out and buy anything, and and they're they're so much better. Even though a lot of people say they don't build cars the way they used to. That's a good thing in a lot of ways because um, some of you know some cars from years ago, you bring a car home brand new, go out of warranty and it was broken afterwards. So, but anyway, as you pointed out, uh, it's the best-selling sports car in the last fifty years. It was featured in more movies and has more Facebook followers than any other car in the world. Uh, the ten millionth uh, Ford Mustang is a high tech four hundred sixty horsepower, uh, twenty nineteen Wimbledon white GT V eight six speed convertible, um, saluting VIN number one. The first serialized Mustang was a uh, nineteen sixty four and a half Mustang that featured one hundred and sixty four horsepower V eight with a three speed transmission. So there's been more than sixty. Ford Mustang owners in all the model years are assembling for a tribute, and this was at this was at uh, recently at um, out in Dearborn, Michigan. I met a guy out in uh, Detroit, and he may have been one of the guys I was talking with um, about uh, Bob Tasker with, who owned. He works for Ford. He owns every year of every Mustang made. So uh, I don't know where he keeps them all. Got a big big garage somewhere, but he keeps them somewhere, and uh, he, I'm sure he has. I'm sure he has a lot of them. But uh, Tasca Ford, they you know they they own quite a few different types of dealerships now. Uh, but the Ford dealership is, I, I think, nearest and dearest to their heart. And I know when we had uh, Marty Shore on, who wrote the book uh, Ford Total Performance, uh, he did he did a lot of work with the Tasca folks at the time. And uh, Tasca Ford's a big deal. You heard his voice a little bit ago, Dennis. Hi. Hi. I was actually um, watching a movie last night where it showed all three, the, the main character had all three of the big three American-made really? cars. Yeah. The first one was the Mustang. Yeah. The second one, I believe, was a, a mid-70s model Chevy Nova. Okay. I believe. Mm-hmm. And the last one that he drove was a Dodge... Something or other. Dodge Charger? Charger probably, Challenger? Yeah. Something like that. I think it was a Charger, yeah. What was the movie? John Wick. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I was I found, I was watching. I'm like, hey, that's really cool. So he this was the new John Wick? No. The old John no, Wick? No, I was introducing my boy to the first one so we can watch the second one. A lot of violence in that, isn't there? Oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> he's a high schooler now. Oh, oh yeah. That's I, I, that's right. He's not six anymore. No. Okay. <laughs> I forgot. So where you been? Uh, I've been to... Uh, well, the first... Saturday I had off. We had tentative plans to go to Washington, D.C. Um, those fell through, so I still just took it off. Um, the second week, I went to Canopy Lake with some friends. And then the last two weeks, I was traveling t- either to was or Canopy from. Is Lake where you're supposed to stay out of the hot tubs now? or What was that? Canopy Lake Park. Yeah, the but, amusement yeah, park. But There's what was no the, hot tubs. Was, what, the, the hotels up around there? Is that where I you have got, no idea. Is that where you get Legionnaire's disease? I guess so. I don't yeah, know. That's don't something that. that happened while I was out yeah. in California. Yeah, don't do that. Yeah, I was either traveling to or coming back from California on the Saturday. So, you've been to California before, right? Yes, but this time was awesome. This time I got to see every Batmobile ever made. Every Batmobile ever made. <laughs> where did Where did you see those? Um, I saw them at the Warner Brothers Studio. Oh, okay. almost every Batmobile. They don't have the rights to the 
TV show Batmobile. Really? But every other one that's been in any movie has been it. They don't have a reproduction just because? No, they don't have the rights to it. Huh. It's a CBS-owned program. Huh. Because I, I, like there's there's somebody, is, it, speaking of Rhode Island, there's somebody in Rhode Island that has a reproduction Batmobile. No, it, looks, it, looks pretty, can, it looks pretty good, yeah. People can yeah. do things, but yeah. studios did they have, have the a other, whole licensing thing. Did they have the other Bat stuff, like the Bat motorcycle? Or, yeah, they yeah. had, they had um, there was a, a back, the Batgirl motorcycle, there was the one that came out of the Batmobile oh, in, yeah. the, in yeah. Dark Knight, um, there was... I don't know if I like that one. I don't know if I like that Batmobile. The Tumbler? Yeah, there's too much, too, one. Much, too much of a tank looking thing. That was thing. my favorite one. I uh, love that one. Um, they had the... They had the um, the bat plane that was in Batman and Robin, um, yeah, it was. So you you did that. I saw I saw on your Facebook page. Also, you seem to go out to eat a lot. Yeah. Well, actually, the first two nights, my my um, brother's boyfriend um, cooked for us, so it looked like restaurant. It food. looked like restaurant food. Yes, it did. Yes, it did. But also, it, it seems like you did go out to eat a fair amount too. Yes, we did. Yeah. Yeah, because so. we're on vacation, yeah. and those calories don't count. <laughs> wow. Okay. All right. Uh, so, any uh, what? I was just. I've only been to California once, and okay. it was just this year. And I went to. Uh, I was in L.A. and I was kind of downtown L.A. like financial yeah, area. No, there's nothing I guess. there. And um, and I was disappointed because there was no car culture. You know, the car culture, I guess, is all like Orange County and up that way, yeah. down that way, or wherever it is. And, uh, uh, you know, I saw everyday looking cars that looked as beat up as they do in downtown Boston. Yeah. I was pretty disappointed. Yeah, there's nothing nothing too much. You have to go to the beaches. Yeah. The beaches have the cars. Yeah. Um, if you went down to um, Monte, uh, yeah, Monte Carlo. Um, now I can't think of the name of it. Um, Someplace. Yeah. Yeah. Um, if you go down by the pier there, there's mm-hmm. a lot of cars and a lot of different culture down there. Um, Long Beach. Long Beach, yep. Um, yeah, and then as you get closer to the studios when up in uh, Burbank, there's a lot of different kinds of cars up there that are really cool. See any celebrities? Uh, we saw a few. On, we saw William H. Macy okay. um, from a real far distance. Yep. Uh, we saw, I can't think of the woman. There was two women that we saw, um, My the, the teenage... Some of my neighbors were out there at the same time we were, so we all met up and did the studio tour together at oh, Warner okay. Brothers. And the teenage boys recognized one one uh, young actress who I can't remember her name. I can't remember the show that she was mm. on. And then we saw another actress, like the, our tour bus literally turned around the corner, and there she was standing there getting ready to film her show. Um, it's the actress. She's now on a show called Breaking Up Together, which was mm. going into season yep. two. Yep. Uh, she, she was really friendly. Um, it was really cool. Yeah, you, I I was talking to somebody who was out there, and they were. This was years ago, and they said they were just at the supermarket, and like Madonna was buying beer. Oh, right. that's yeah. that's happened to be one of the um, the first time we went out there. Um, we saw her last name's Cross. I can't think of her first name right now. She was on um, at the time. It was um, Desperate Housewives. Okay, uh, Marsha Cross. That's her name. We saw her at we were walking down Rodeo um, yeah. Drive, and Libby wanted to go into a coach store, and we walked into the coach store, and there she was. Um, and then last time I was out there, not this past time. Sorry last, about that, by the coach store. You know. uh, yeah. Did you spend well, spend a thousand dollars while you were there. No, she just wanted to go in and oh. check it out, see if it was any different than the coach store at the rent them outlets, and it wasn't. 
Um, <laughs> so, um, she, so last time we were out there, it was me and my mom and my brother, and we were up in Beverly Hills again, mm-hmm. and crossing the street was, um, oh, uh, Zorro the Gay Blade, um, really tan, um, always tan. Now he does the Kentucky, the Fried, Kentucky Fried, Fried Chicken, chicken commercials. commercials. Who was um, that? Yeah. We that saw guy. Him. That guy. Yeah. And he was just crossing the street. We, he was really nice. He was really accommodating. Took pictures with me, my mom, and my brother. And he was, just, I told him my, one of my favorite sh- movies is Zorla Gable. And he told me all a bunch of stories about it. It was fantastic. He was a fantastic. Now I can't think of his name. George Hamilton. James, George Hamilton. <laughs> of course. George Hamilton. How could you not remember George Hamilton? Yeah. See, I, I've, uh, when I've been in New York a couple times, I've kind of run into celebrities. And the only one who I ever actually sort of stopped. And it wasn't me. It was Jack Klugman, the original odd couple, yep. Jack Klugman. And only because I was walking by and there was this older couple, probably my age now, um, who uh, who wanted to ha- take a picture with them. And they said to me, would you mind taking – so, you know, I was there. And I, and he seemed very nice, very accommodating, uh, and looked like the guy from the odd couple. You know, kind of <laughs> yep. wrinkly, wrinkly raincoat. You know, just uh, kind of kind of, a, kind of an interesting guy. We also so. went to San Diego for a couple of days. That was really fun. And um, then finally we ended up in Palm, Palm Springs. Which Palm is Springs. Really amazing. I've heard um, that. I've heard that. If you ever go out there, do the Skyway tram that goes off the mountain. Mm. I don't like heights, and I don't like things that spin. This both is really high, and the floor spins around, but at a really slow pace, so that by the time you get up to the top of the mountain or back down from yeah. the top of the mountain, you've seen the other way. You've seen, yeah. you've seen kind of three around three hundred sixty degrees. That's that was my day. That was my week. Yeah. So I said we would be talking to uh, Jim Graham. He is the global manager of Ford Driving Skills for Life, and he's on the phone with us. Good morning, Jim, and welcome to the Car Doctor Program. Good morning. Thanks for having me. Well, uh, let's do a quick uh, rundown of what Ford Driving Skills for Life is and how long you've been doing this. Well, we've been doing Ford Driving Skills for Life for 15 years, and we're actually in 43 countries, and we've trained over a million people. And basically what we are is a step beyond driver's education uh, for newly licensed drivers, and we provide advanced driving skills for free for uh, teens and, and their parents. And the goal is to try to give teens more experience and also talk about things that they shouldn't be doing, like distracted and impaired driving. Well, that's a good point. Uh, here in Massachusetts, uh, recreational marijuana is now legal. Do you go into the whole aspect of drug driving? Yes, we do. Uh, we work with the police officers, and we work on impaired driving, both drunk and drug driving. Uh, we do some in-car exercises uh, with our instructors, but we also have a drug suit and a drunk suit that we use outside of the car, and so we get involved with that very heavily. Uh, so, you know, those are those are things that are creeping up all over the country, actually, uh, and it's something that, obviously, we shouldn't be doing uh, while you're driving, shouldn't be doing probably any time, but uh, so we do focus on that, too. Do you find when you're talking to your kids and your instructors are talking to kids, a lot of them now would never think of getting into a car with a drunk driver, but one that has um, just smoked pot, they don't think that's a big deal? Well, that's exactly right, uh, and there's not a lot of research out there, unfortunately, on the whole subject of uh, marijuana and driving, but, uh, you know, a lot of people have the perception that it's actually safer. Uh, maybe people are a little, maybe they're just a little more relaxed, but, you know, we don't believe that's the case. Uh, I know in Colorado, for example, Washington, where it's legal, they, they've seen some uh, real adverse effects. 
So it's something that we have to learn more about, but uh, we know it's something that they shouldn't be doing behind the driving once they've done that. So we definitely talk about that to teens and to their parents. Yeah, absolutely. Then when it comes to what goes on during the program, now, and, and how long is the program? Well, we do the program on the weekends. We'll be actually in uh, we'll be in North Andover on September fifteenth and sixteenth. We have four sessions, so we have two a day. There's a morning session that starts about eight and goes till noon, and one in the afternoon that goes about one thirty to five. Uh, and we put them through essentially four different exercises. Uh, we do an exercise on vehicle handling, where they learn how to control a car that has oversteer or the back end tends to slide, like if you're on snow and ice. Uh, we do a hazard recognition exercise where they learn how to react if something happens in front of them, such as, uh, you know, a car has something happens in front of them, a car truck, something happens. We do an exercise on speed and space management. Um, and then we also do the things they shouldn't be doing. So we do exercises on impaired driving, um, exercises on distracted driving. And then we talk about things like bicycle safety, car and bicycle safety. We talk about railroad crossing. And, we, we you know, it's a really active four hours we also have a parent session for parents that come out. We encourage them to come out too. So it's a it's a full four hours, and uh, it's a great it's a great time, and it's free. Uh, you know, it, whether it was free or not, it's a very educational type of program where I think a lot of people and you and you, and you brought it up. Uh, you know, people go out, they get their driver's license, but they don't really learn how to drive. Uh, it takes uh, you know five or six years before you become a reasonably competent driver, and a lot of times in that kind of learning phase, uh, novice drivers don't even know what ABS brakes feel like. Well, that's exactly right, and we actually have an exercise on that. We you know there's a whole lot of technology in vehicles now that a lot of people don't know how to use properly, and it's designed to provide vehicles to be safer. But so we talk about that also. Uh, but you're right. A driver's education over the last 15 years has really changed. Uh, in many cases, it's been pulled out of schools. Uh, parents have to pay for it in many cases. Uh, and it is basic driver's education, though. They, you know, they do, they do a good job about things like uh, signs and basic driving rules, but there's not a lot of uh, hands-on driving. So this gives them an opportunity to really sit down with professional drivers and, and talk about some new things they haven't learned and you know, I always like to say learning to drive successfully is a lifelong learning experience. Uh, people can always learn more. So that's why we encourage parents to come out, too. So it's just a great opportunity. It, yeah, it it really is. And when you're sort of done with your program and uh, talk to the, to the students afterwards, the parents afterwards, what's your typical reaction? Well, they're actually really pleased they came out. Uh, it's, it's kind of funny because in, when we start off, we have a, an opening session and most of the teens have been signed up by their parents. We understand that, and they're not really sure what they're getting into. But when they're done, they are, they're really happy they came out, and they really learned some things. And, and it's just a nice thing to see because, you know, it is on a weekend, and they don't have to come out and do this. But once they do come out, they really appreciate it, and they tell their friends. And uh, and that's really how we get people to come to these events. Uh, it's word of mouth. And, uh, you know, in 15 years, we haven't had one, uh, one complaint. It's just all positive. So it's really rewarding. We're really lucky we get to work on such a program like this. And when you mentioned technology, there's a lot of technology in cars today. ABS brakes have been around seemingly forever now. Uh, but how about some of the other technology? During the program, do you go over some of the the other advanced technology that's in some of the newer cars? Yes. Uh, we're just we're just starting to incorporate that into our program uh, because now most vehicles, I don't care what brand they are, have things like lane keeping, uh, you know, advanced collision warning systems, uh, a lot of really neat technologies that really can help save lives if people know how to use it. So we are starting to go over that now, and uh, and it's something like, you know, for example, we've had my key on our 
cars for years. And I know other manufacturers have similar things where a parent can program a key so that they can do things like limiting speed uh, if they aren't buckled up, uh, limiting uh, uh, radio uh, noise, uh, radio volume if they're not buckled up, things like that. So there's really great technologies out there, and, and most all the manufacturers have it now. So we are incorporating that into our program and uh, something we're going to continue to focus on more and more because vehicles are sem semi-autonomous now in many cases, and uh, we want to make sure they know how to use this technology so it, 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 it works in their favor, not against them. And, and what kind of cars are SUVs or whatever are they going to be in? Well, we obviously put them in. There are new Ford products. Uh, we typically have vehicles we can put four people in, including the instructor. So, uh, you know, you'll have uh, Fusions. You'll have some SUVs, uh, uh, things like that. But brand-new Ford vehicles, the Mustangs, obviously we use that for the vehicle handling. So it's also a fun opportunity for young people to get to drive new vehicles. Uh, it's not a sales program, but it is some opportunity for me to get, for the first time ever, to get in a brand-new vehicle with a really qualified professional instructor. So that's a nice opportunity for them, too. Well, I, I was I was going to say it sounds like it's a, a big learning experience, but it sounds like it's a lot of fun too. Well, it is because they get to do things in an enclosed environment that uh, they're not going to be doing with their parents' vehicles. Uh, there's no high speed exercises, but you know it's okay if they spin out when they're doing the vehicle handling uh, course because we want them to learn how to control that if they were to do that on snow and ice, for example. So uh, it is fun, and, and the instructors let them have a little bit of fun, and then they'll they'll show them how to do it the right way. Uh, so it's an opportunity for them to get to do some things that they wouldn't normally get to do. And I really uh, can't praise our instructors enough. They're so qualified, and uh, it's nice for them to get to be behind the wheel of somebody that's really done something in terms of driving with their life, and all of our instructors are just outstanding. And it's great for the parents, too, because most parents have not had any advanced driver education. And uh, so it's a really nice effort. It's a good time to parents and teens to bond, come out together. It's a lot of fun. We make it fun for them, and they learn an awful lot. No, it sounds like a great program. And how you said it's uh, it, it's next weekend. How do people sign up for it? Uh, they can just go to drivingskillsforlife.com. That's our website, drivingskillsforlife.com. And there's an event section, and they'll see one that say North Andover, Massachusetts. And they can sign up for the morning or afternoon session on each day. And if there's any questions they have, there's a contact area there, um, and there's spots open. And it's just a great opportunity, and uh, we just look forward to be, uh, seeing them out there. I'll be there myself. And I always enjoy coming to these events, and uh, just a great opportunity for everybody to have a great time and learn some uh, great things and hopefully save some lives. And like you said, it's fun, it's free, and you get to learn something. So it sounds it sounds like a trifecta of winning to me. So, well, yeah, it's, it's really a you know it's it's, it's a win win for everybody, and uh, it's an exciting time. We look forward to it. Uh, we always love coming out there, and uh, I think parents, if you have a newly licensed teen, I don't care if they're fifteen, sixteen, even eighteen, whatever it is, there's nearly no upper age limit. Uh, Get them to get them out there. They'll enjoy it, and I think they'll be really pleased they came out. And I was just peeking at your website. Even if you can't make the event, there's a lot of great educational pieces on the site as well. Well, that's exactly right. The website, uh, drivingskillsforlife.com, we have an area called the Academy, which essentially is about a two-hour session that mimics what we do in the hands-on program. So if you can't make it to the hands-on program, go through the online Academy with your team. Uh, again, it takes about two hours, and it starts with very basic things such as uh, – proper hand and seat position and goes into things such as how to control a vehicle that is in an oversteer position to, uh, you know, things we've all, things we've been talking about here. So it's a great opportunity. There's also a parent team contract on there that, that those things do work. A lot of great information on there. So that's drivingskillsforlife.com. And if um, a, a group, a city, a town, whatever, wants to bring driving skills for life to their community, uh, is there information on the site as well? 
Yes, there's a contact area, and we always look forward to communities that want us. Uh, one thing we want to make sure is when we show up that all the seats are full. So we want to make it a community event. We always have police, fire, uh, we have community people out there. So it, it's designed to be a really fun time for everybody in the community. Uh, we have media come out. Uh, it's just a nice time for everybody. So if somebody wants to get involved, even besides this event, just shoot us a note, and that's how we look at where we go. So uh, we want to go to communities where they really want it. And uh, and so, yeah, just give us a shoot us a note over, and, and we'll take it from there. And, again, that website is drivingskillsforlife.com. DrivingSkillsForLife.com, yes. Perfect. Jim, thanks for taking some time out of your Saturday morning and joining us up here in Boston. And you never know, maybe I'll show up and hang around next next weekend up in North Andover. Well, we look forward to uh, coming out, and uh, thank you for having me. All right. Thanks, Jim. Why don't we take a break, pay some bills. My name's John Paul. This is a Car Doctor program. You're listening on AM 950 WROL, the spirit of Boston. You can give us a call at 617-770-3030. We'll be right back. The ballets in the back, sweet singers in the front, cruising down the freeway in the hot, hot sun. Suddenly, red blue lights flash us from behind. Loud voice booming. Please. I gave a girl a ride in my wagon. She crawled in So do you want to go drive an electric car? You can do that tomorrow between 10 and 3 at Union Point in Weymouth. That's the old uh, South Weymouth Navy base place over there. Um, it is uh, electric vehicles. They're doing an electric vehicle ride and drive. The uh, Massachusetts Sierra Club, Mass Energy Consumers Alliance, and Union Point for an electric vehicle. They're, it's all going on there. It's a ride-and-drive event. Learn from environmental groups, dealerships, EV owners, all about the benefits of driving electric and available discounts. Uh, even go for a test ride. The ride-and-drive events will take place alongside Union Point's excellent, their words, not mine, Farmer's Market featuring local products, produce, food trucks, specialty vendors, and live music. Um uh, National Drive Electric Week is presented by Plug In America, the Sierra Club, and the Electric Auto Association. Uh, and that is uh, going to be taking place again in Union Point in South Weymouth. You can find out more information. I guess the Sierra Club has more information about it. And that's going to be Sunday from 10 to 3. So if you wanted to go check out an electric car. I was driving an electric car part of the part of the last couple days, the new Nissan Leaf, which is uh, new, improved, more horsepower, longer range. It's got about a 150-mile range now. Uh, Very nice car, actually. We'll do a full review of that coming up in the near future. Let's see. Dennis has a note. Okay. That's not much of a note. I thought you had something important to say. No, I just wanted to let yeah, you know. Okay. Well, all right. yeah. And uh, who doesn't like free food? I love free food. Where is this free food? <laughs> well, up in up in Woburn. I'm not going at uh, Woburn Toyota. They're having uh, apparently it's a uh, it's their grand opening celebration. Free barbecue, ice cream, and a dunk tank. Woo! So I guess if you're up if you're up in the Woburn area and you're a little bit hungry, sure. Pull into pull in there and uh, 
and check it out. Can I say something else about those Batmobiles that I saw? Yeah, I guess. <laughs> they were the, like the real legit bat. Like they could drive them off the lot like yep. right then and there. Um, and they said, which one did, did we think was the fastest? And the fastest one is the most current one. Okay. That it has two of the big Corvette engines in it. Really? Two. Two. <laughs> well. It, go, it gets like. Almost, it gets over two hundred miles an hour or something like that with the two engines fully on. I mean, that's that's interesting, I guess. But you know, in the movie, they're probably going three miles an hour. Well, they explain that too. Okay, the cars around the car that you're seeing going fast yep. are going like two to three miles an yep. hour, and then the um, the the main car is doing like thirty miles an hour. So it looks like it's really so it looks like they, it's going yeah, fast. And yeah. then they also speed up the film a little bit. Yeah, yeah, that that. Uh, does not surprise me no, from some of the stuff that I've all. seen. Yeah, yeah. So, um, got this message uh, courtesy of some folks uh, through Kia, and there is uh, within a car now. It's actually a whole network of electronics. So it's called the CAN network, control area network. And uh, since 2011, Kia has been producing documents outlining issues that can occur with their uh, control area network equipped vehicles when certain devices are introduced into the electrical system. Kia is not unique in this problem. However, there are some drivability problems that can be very frustrating for technicians to diagnose. Uh, these can be remedied by identifying and removing these devices. In other words, like the um, snapshot thing from Progressive, you plug in and you get an insurance discount, stuff like that. Um, the problem the devices can cause, they can cause problems. And uh, so it's, they, they refer to them as a dongle, the thing that plugs in. And they can cause problems with um, the tire pressure monitor systems too. So it can, apparently the f- frequency, it can turn the lights on. Um, also, there's a, there's some non-U.S. navigation infotainment devices that create noise on the uh, tire pressure monitor frequency. So sometimes you want to add devices to your vehicle, and then all of a sudden something happens with it. Uh, I remember somebody gave me one of these devices to test out once, plugged it in, seemed didn't nothing happen, and uh, about a day or so later, the, the traction control light came on. I'm like, hmm. And I called the company who made it, and they went, oh, that's no, it can't, can't happen. So I unplugged it, traction control light went off. Plugged it back in, went on. So I said, I think you have a problem. I think whatever's in this device is causing an issue with the electronics in the car. And that was a now 11-year-old car. So the idea that there are some of these devices that are causing problems. Volkswagen had a problem. Well, many problems, but Volkswagen had a problem where you would plug in the progressive snapshot thing. I think it's progressive, right? Progressive. Yes, And it's progressive. Uh, snapshot thing. And it would cause the car to shift funny. And people were bringing their new Volkswagens back to the dealership and saying, well, it's not driving right. There's something wrong with it. And they'd unplug the thing and it'd be better. I always was suspicious it put it into the test mode where the EPA mileage got better. So by plugging it in, it actually tricked the computer system to think something else was going on. So it may have been a weird combination. So just saying. Just saying that could happen. 
I have just a pair of tickets to the Newport Boat Show. Newport Boat Show is going to take place September 13th to the 16th. So next weekend, that's Thursday through Saturday, 10 to 6, Sunday, 10 to 5. So I just have a pair of tickets. And I will give them away to the fifth caller. You were afraid I was going to say like 500th caller, right? Yes. Fifth caller. Fifth caller. So if you're the fifth caller and you want a pair of tickets to the Newport Boat Show, call Dennis at 617-770-3030. 617-770-3030. This is the 48th annual Newport International Boat Show. And uh, there's four sites, over 13 acres, uh, the Newport Yachting Center, Old Port Marine, Bannister's Wharf, and uh, Bowen's Wharf. There's over 600 boats in the water, power and sail, keel boats to cruisers, hundreds of marine products. Uh, concurrent with the Newport Brokerage Boat Show. So there's a bunch of stuff going on. Uh, it's also, let's see, what else is going on? Uh, United States Power Squadrons, America's Boating Club, hosting free educational seminars. Um you can buy tickets in advance. Tickets are ex- tickets are kind of expensive, uh, but uh, if you are the if you are the whatever number I said, you can have a pair of tickets because I only got I only I only got a pair. So, GM says will customers accept a full size truck with a four cylinder engine? A new four cylinder engine option for General Motors twenty nineteen Silverado and GMC Sierra fifteen hundred pickups will test the loyalty and perception of. Pickup buyers who associate inline fours with compact cars. A four-cylinder engine and a full-size pickup was unimaginable a decade ago, but advancements in engineering as well as Ford Motor Company's success with the V6 EcoBoost engines have proved that V8 engines aren't necessarily the default choice for pickup buyers. The question is, how low can you go? A 2.7-liter inline four-cylinder turbo engine is a major milestone for GM. It's the first four-cylinder engine in a modern full-size pickup truck. Um, and it's the first engine capable of actually running on just two cylinders. The engine is rated at 310 horsepower, 348 pound-feet of torque, or foot-pounds of torque, depending on how you depending on how you say it. I say pound-feet. They say foot-pounds. Uh, it's paired with an eight-speed automatic transmission and will be standard on the new Silverado RST and popular Silverado LT, replacing the 4.3-liter V6 that's rated at 285 horsepower. So uh, the four-cylinder, the the six-cylinder engine uh, had more horsepower than the old V8. So it would be interesting to see where all this is going to go. I want to talk about the car that got me around, oh, a week or so ago. And that's the Nissan Armada. It's the largest of Nissan's SUVs. It's powered by... A 5.6-liter, 390-horsepower V8 engine connected to a 7-speed automatic transmission. We have our winner. So if you were calling for the Newport Boat Show tickets, we have our winner. So we will we will mail those out to you first thing Monday morning. Um, the uh, Armada is available in rear-wheel or all-wheel drive. There's uh, four trim levels, the SV, SL, Platinum Reserve, and the subject of our road test the all-wheel drive platinum version. The uh, This large SUV has seating for up to eight, and even adults will be pretty comfortable in the third-row seat. Like many three-row SUVs, getting to the third row can be a bit of a challenge. I watched people do it. I did not do it. 
I watched people get in the third row seat, and it was a bit of a challenge. The first two rows of seats are comfortable and supportive. The third row is a bit short on padding. Uh, but during my time with the Amada, I had six adults in the vehicle, and they all seemed reasonably comfortable, at least for a fairly short trip. Uh, safety is addressed with a full suite of semi-autonomous features, such as lane departure warning and uh, and backup cameras and around-view monitors. Um, I think I said automatic emergency braking for just everything you can imagine. This model also had something. I wish I really noticed it earlier. It has a camera for the rear-view mirror. And it has a regular rearview mirror, looks like a rearview mirror. And when you flip what looks like the day-night switch, it turns to the camera view. So you can put six people in this car, and you go to look in the rearview mirror, and you can't see anything. You just see a bunch of heads. You flip the switch, and you actually see out the back. And it's like, where'd they go? <laughs> and I didn't, it, I actually, and it was so good, I didn't notice it. For a couple of days, because it was set on camera all the time, and all I noticed was, um, I think I was looking in the rearview mirror, backing up one day, and I'm like, I, it doesn't look, is the back window dirty? You know, I wasn't, it wasn't the mirror image you expect, but it was it was actually pretty good. So, uh, you know, I guess that's, someday that will be the future, that there'll just be cameras, and they'll display everywhere, and there won't be side view mirrors or rear view mirrors. Like many uh, large three-row SUVs, cargo behind the third-row seat is a bit tight. There's uh, there's 16 feet, but it expands to 95 feet with all the seats folded, so tons of room. Performance from the 5.6-liter V8 engine is very good. for the, And for those buyers looking to tow a vehicle, the Yamada can tow a rather substantial 8,500 pounds. Engine performance comes at a fuel economy penalty. During my time with the Yamada, I averaged about 14.5 miles per gallon. Ride and handling typical of a big SUV, some body roll, slow steering. The ride is quite comfortable. Uh, with the Yamada suspension soaking up all the ruts and potholes, the brakes are firm, powerful, good brake pedal f- feedback. The backup intervention system allows for easier parallel parking by applying the brakes if you don't. So uh, a little bit of semi-autonomous features. Four-wheel drive system should be able to handle handle everything winter can throw at it. The Nissan Yamada is not for everyone, but if you're looking for a stylish, powerful, full-size SUV, the Yamada is a good choice. If you're willing to trade fuel economy for comfort, passenger space, and technology, the Yamada by Nissan should be at the top of your list. 390-horsepower V8 engine, fuel economy 13 city, 18 highway. I did somewhere in the middle there. And price as tested, $66,000. Let's talk to Frank in Medford. Hello, Frank. Morning, John Paul. How are you? Good. I had a question on uh, that. You know the 2009 Chevy Traverse, the never-ending. Yep, never-ending. Uh, never-ending problem with your Traverse. Yep. <laughs> this year, now they're saying uh, that uh, brought it back to the dealer because it was hesitating after you know the time yep. change. And, and, and it had didn't it have like a uh, 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 plug still misfiring, right? Right. Yep. Yeah. And now he's saying that it's not historical or something. It's not. Uh, it's not a, it's, he's claiming that the reader on the AutoZone isn't correct or something like this here. That it's, uh, but anyway, he, so he recommended to have a uh, ear induction cleaning. Okay. And uh, it's like a couple hundred bucks, right? He says uh, <clears throat> those engines are noted for a carbon buildup or something. So I call my regular garage guy there mm-hmm. the, uh, that usually does it. I asked him if he does it. 
So he tells me, he goes, oh, no, 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 I don't uh, do that at all. He says, you can blow the motor up when you do that. Um, and I'm saying, like, really? And, well, uh, nah, nah, nah. Um, if you use the right chemicals, and there's a bunch of different, there's Snap-on makes the system, B&G makes it, there's a bunch of, and it was, it was actually a pretty common thing a bunch of years ago. And what it does, it's a liquid, so in most cases you either disconnect the fuel system completely and you add this chemical cleaner, and what it does is it, it has, uh, has a lot of chemicals in it, and it cleans out the carbon from the fuel injectors, it cleans out the carbon from the intake manifold, it cleans out the carbon from the back of the intake valves and the top of the, and the, top of the uh, pistons. And because of all of that, uh, it can, you know, it, it smokes like crazy for a little bit and then eventually it just sort of settles itself out and, and, it, and it's okay. What can happen is if you force too much of this cleaner in, or if you don't use cleaner at all, and back in the old days, we used to pour water in an engine and it would do the same thing. You'd, you'd, you'd take the air cleaner off on a carburetor car. You take a you take a coffee can full of water and you'd race up the engine and you pour the water down the carburetor and it would basically like sort of like steam clean the inside of the engine. The problem with that is if it was really badly carboned up, it would take the carbon off in chunks and carbon, you know, carbon's kind of what diamonds turn into and carbon's really hard. So if you get a chunk of carbon that comes off the top of a piston and it bounces around inside the intake manifold and bounces around inside the combustion chamber, you can have some real problems. So, but it's, but if you use you, if you use one of the good one of the good products, I don't see I don't see any engine problems happening. I just don't know whether it's going to fix the problem. Right. Yeah. I'm still I'm still not convinced you don't have a bad ignition coil, but. Yeah. Well, yeah. They, nobody. Uh, well, I just. Thought that they could pick it up on the codes, you yeah. Know, yeah. The dealer's general mode is, uh, you know, code reader machine, whatever the computer is. Yeah. But uh, I think that, like, even like with the timing chain problem, they didn't really know until they tore it apart. Right. I mean, they said they thought it was that. Uh, you know, they, mm. they, first they denied it because it was an AutoZone readout. They said it was probably a timing chain, but then they, uh, you know, put it on their machine, and then they actually took it apart because. We tried to take the car back once they diagnosed it and mm-hmm. said it was the timing chain. They said, well, we, you can't. Whoops. Whoops. Uh-oh. I think we disconnected. Are you still there? No, we disconnected you. Yeah, I think I, hopefully, hopefully you still listen. Um, the, uh, the idea that they're not taking the AutoZone computer readout, it's just the computer readout is just, I mean, it's a, it's a scan tool. Um. Uh, I think what they're trying to say is if it was a historical code, one that was in there from before versus an active code now, there could be the problem. So That was my fault. It was. Getting used to the phones again here. Sorry. Sorry, Frank. Sorry. So, but I still, Frank, I think what it comes down to is, you you know, the, the carbon cleaner, May do some good, but I don't think it's going to do enough. I think you have, I think you have something cause, causing a real misfire, and I think someone needs to get in there and they need to check the coils, they need to check the fuel injectors, 
maybe even do a compression test. I don't think so, but uh, I don't think it's compression-related. Uh, the problem with the timing chain was kind of characteristic on that car, which is why which is why it was replaced. Uh, but I I think I think you need to be looking at spending some somebody somebody needs to do some work, and unfortunately, you know everything's behind the in, the intake manifold, so it's a pain to get to. But I think someone's going to need to spend the time to do it. Our phone number is 617-770-3030, There was a three-wheel car called an Elio, and I like weird cars. A, I just do. And the Elio was, uh, they took deposits. Um, they looked at a bunch of things, but five years after raising his hand to uh Takeover General Motors closed a $3.4 million, uh, $3.4 million square foot assembly plant and stamping plant in Shreveport, uh, Louisiana. Elio Motors is still putting together the funding to launch its fuel-efficient, low-priced three-wheel vehicle. The startup base in Phoenix took over the plant in 2013 with the promise to bring 1,500 jobs and set vehicles into production to start in 2015. But raising the necessary cash has been a slow process for Elio CEO Paul Elio. An investor presentation on Elio's website says the company raised $106 million through 2016. The site says it also raised $102 million, but last year the venture field, uh, a document with the Securities and Exchange Commission, said we must raise an estimated $376 million. Our anticipated production timetable is dependent on receiving such funding in a timely manner and delays in obtaining additional funding will delay our production timetable. They've been trying to build this thing for a long time. It's a little three-wheel, fuel-efficient, kind of interesting-looking kind of thing, and it was going to be the future in 2008. And I've seen their prototype, and once upon a time I tried to actually get them on the radio show, and all I got back was they're not doing interviews. So I don't know. So there's a there's a, a company called Mahindra, and Mahindra is trying to build a Jeep. And they said after a successful, unsuccessful attempt to enter the U.S. auto market as an import-only uh, diesel pickup brand in 2010, India's Mahindra and Mahindra has come back with a different plan. It'll launch a U.S. vehicle manufacturing at ground zero of the American auto industry in Detroit. It's a rare play for an automaker wanting to get into the U.S. market for the past 30 years. New competitors have shunned Detroit as a marketing site. The last non-Detroit uh, three automaker to open up assembly in the Detroit area was Mazda in 87 in a product sharing deal with then Ford owner. So it looks like they want to build this Jeep. The problem is it looks like a three-quarter scale Jeep Wrangler. And I think Jeep has already kind of put out a, a cease and desist order saying, hey, it looks too much like our Jeep. So we'll have to we'll have to wait and we'll have to wait and see what what happens with that. Why don't we take another break? Our phone lines are open if you want to join us. Dennis won't cut you off, really. 617-770-3030. 617-770-3030. We'll be right back. Just give me some of your love. She said, I don't want your Chevrolet. I don't want your Chevrolet. I don't want nothing in the world you got. No, you can't do nothing for me. You can't do nothing for me. I buy you a diamond ring. I buy you a diamond ring. 
950 WROL or 100.3 FM or WROLradio.com or any number of other places. There was an article in this week's Automotive News, and what caught my attention was Ernie Bach Jr. And it says, uh, Ernie Bach uh, Jr. has always uh, is always a maverick, went his own way in the Great Recession, sticking with fat advertising budget he pegged in the tens of millions of dollars annually even as other auto dealers slashed advertising and saved costs, I didn't back down. Ernie's 60, by the way. Is he really 60? Yeah, yeah that's what it says. Um, uh, how did it turn out? He said, I got killed. So, But sales plummeted, uh, but it was uh, more of an investment in my future. My market share position didn't change. Before the recession, we were number one in New England with Honda, number one in New England with Toyota, and we're still there after the recession ended, and number one in New England. Bach said the decision was his as the head of a privately held Bach Automotive in uh, Norwood, Mass., but executive manager also supported the idea. I was president and CEO. We didn't have a board. Um, I have my people, uh, people left and right were bailing out of advertising, but I continued on a high level at a very high level. Uh, I normally advertise at box said, I knew we'd probably come out of this and sh- there's, and, uh, share is probably most important thing in retail. Uh, Bach pursued the same strategy with completely different short-term results with Subaru of New England, the independent distributorship for the six New England states, uh, which remains a crown jewel of Bach's assets. It's it's kind of confusing with uh, there's Bach Toyota and Bach Honda, which really aren't his. He sold that business. Yeah, he sold it like yeah three or four years three ago. three or four years ago. But he still does all the advertising for them. But I think. He's still, and that was part of the contract. And he owns the land. And he, yeah, yeah, he, yeah. He, yeah. Um, but I think he may have been buying a couple more dealerships, and he does still own the Ferrari. The Ferrari. Yeah, and he gets all the. He's the distributor for, for a Subaru, Subaru, right? Right. Yeah. So, so any Subaru yeah. you get. And he pointed out here somewhere. Um, he said, uh, meanwhile. Subaru defied gravity. It was the only major brand whose sales improved year after year straight through the Great Recession. Box said the props go to the achieve, uh, it, for that achievement go to Tom Dahl, CEO of Subaru of America, for making the brand cool and desirable and to management in Japan for tailoring cars and crossovers, specifically to U.S. T- uh, tastes. At Subaru, i got to tell you, we thought we were going to get killed, but... We were in meetings after the first couple of months of the recession looking around at each other and saying, we're up, we're up, we're up, and sales were up. We're the only manufacturer's sales improved during the recession. It's fair to say that Subaru of New England has historically had higher market share of the brand. But why I brought this up at the New England Motor Press um, meeting back in May, uh, we gave an award to Tom Dahl, the president and CEO of Subaru of North America, and Ernie Bach was there to actually present the award to him. And he said almost the same thing as he said here. Um, I owe my success to Tom Dahl because Tom Dahl really worked through some advertising campaigns. So it was sort of interesting. I introduced a local Subaru dealer who's been doing a good job and does a ton with charity. Um, that person introduced Ernie Bach. Ernie Bach introduced the president of Subaru. And... Everybody was very complimentary, and my group was honestly a little bit afraid of what Ernie would do 
because Ernie's Ernie's a lightning rod for for uh, for a track, and he was polite, good guy. He had his he had his speech literally handwritten out. He did it himself. Um, he, he did he did a great job. Can I just mention about Subaru? Real sure. Because we drove around in a Subaru for mm-hmm. a week out in California. The last time I got in a Subaru before this, it was cramped. I could barely fit into it. I did not like the experience at all. This one, I think my mom, because my mom and my son went out a couple days before us, so she's the one that rented it. I think mm-hmm. it was a Subaru Forest. It was a, Forester. The bigger yep. one. Yep. yep. Um, that was nice. Like, I didn't feel the road. Mm-hmm. Like it. Yeah, no, it, Subarus it, it, have improved dramatically over amazing. the years. Amazing. And the gas mileage we got on that thing was i i I drove from la to burbank burbank back to la and then la to san diego and before we had we went out to nope and then from san diego to um to palm springs and then before we returned back to la was the first time i had to pick up i had to get gas wow it was amazing granted the tank is huge but that's okay yeah yeah that's that's all right that's all right that's all good uh, let's talk to John in Wakefield. Dennis was doing so good there for a while. John, is that you? Yes, it is. Good morning. Good morning. I have uh, a question on uh, the risk factor, or maybe some pitfalls on, for example, uh, buying an older car like a 2002 Mercury Grand Marquis with 57,000 miles on it that hasn't been started or moved for a year and a half. Hmm. Um, I think part of it depends on how much you're paying for it uh-huh. to make to make. You know, chances are the engine's fine. Uh, chances are the transmission may you know is probably okay. Um, the brakes are probably. Is it been inside or outside? It's. Uh- in, in a garage. In a garage, yeah. okay. So the brakes are probably mildly rusty from sitting in place. If it was sitting outside, you'd probably need yeah. to think about all the brakes in the car just needing to be replaced. And you still might. Um, yeah. But as far as, uh, you know, a lot of it's going to depend on how it was put away. If it was just driven into a garage and shut off, uh, you may have a you may have a few problems coming up with it. Um and also, if it was put in a garage and shut off, and that garage attracted critters like mice and chipmunks and stuff, uh, you always have to worry about wiring getting chewed up and stuff like that. Um, but if I if if I said, "Hey, I'm looking for a I'm looking for a car. This thing only has fifty thousand miles on it," I would get the car, get it started. I would probably, depending on, I would probably add some uh, gasoline antifreeze and some stable to the gas. But I would, what I'd really want to do is try to drain the gas tank and get a full tank of fresh fuel in there. Uh, I would probably think about changing the fuel filter in case there's any rust in there. Um, And then I would change all the, you know, I would change the fluids. uh, You know, I would at least change the oil. I'd want to look at the transmission fluid. I'd want to look at the power steering fluid. I'd change the engine coolant because sitting there is not doing it any good. And uh, I'd probably, if the brakes are working properly, so they're 
you know, they're not dragging, they're working the way they should, I'd probably change the brake fluid just because from sitting around like that, it's, it could have attracted some moisture. So I'd at least suck the brake fluid out of the master cylinder and put some fluid in it. But as far as having problems with, you know, the engine, you know, going bad, a valve sticking in it, you'd, you'd know that as soon as it started up. Now, now, not to say that a 2000, what would you say, 2002 or so? Yes. Yeah. I mean, not to say that a 15-year-old car is going to have its own share of problems anyway. So you could have a valve, you could have valve seals that have dried up in it a little bit. So you could get, you know, you could get a little bit of oil consumption. Um, But chances are it's going to be okay. Um, You know, it's, it's at the end, it's at the end of what, you know, what things can go bad when you're, you know, when things sit still. So, uh, but, you know, could, you know, shock absorbers have rusted up? If we're sitting outside, I have a lot more concern about it. Sitting inside, yeah. I don't have quite as many concerns. Yeah. Okay. I mean, Thanks you're going to need a battery. You're going to need a battery, and, you yeah. know, you might, you might start it up, and the alternator may be kind of acting up a little bit because the brushes in the alternator are, are um, are sticking, yeah. and you might have an alternator light, but maybe racing the engine a little bit, the light goes out yeah. because the brush has stopped sticking. It's going to be things. It's going to be things like that. You know, the yeah. um, you know, is it possible that over time that something happened to the air conditioner? Maybe, uh, but you never know. You might put a battery in it, start it up, and thing yeah. runs runs like a champ. I was just major, majorly concerned over energy problems. Yeah, what do you? But, what are they looking to get for it? Uh, probably about thirty five hundred. Yeah. Um, it sounds a little, little on the high side to me, um, but I think it, you know, and as far as you know, it hasn't been running. They, they have, they haven't tried to start it up or anything or. No, it hasn't, it hasn't been started in a year and a half. Yeah, I think it won't even start. Yeah. Yeah, I I think I'd want to, you know, for, you're taking a chance at 3,500 with a car that you don't even know how it runs. So, um. I think I think for I think for thirty five hundred dollars, it sound you know unless the thing is absolutely stunning, and for thirty five hundred dollars, knowing you're going to need a tow truck to tow it to your garage to have them go through it, it sounds mm-hmm. a little bit overpriced. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Thanks for the information. All right. Joy. All right. Take care. Bye bye. Yep. Bye. Six one seven seven seventy thirty thirty six one seven. 770-3030 is how you get through and talk to us. Uh, Cadillac throws in the towel on a 3-series fighter. This was not a surprise to me. Cadillac will scrap the ATS, the smallest sedan, after the 2018 model year, but will continue the ATS Coupe. I have no idea why, because I don't think anybody's buying those either. Production of the ATS sedan is ended, ending due to extensive plant upgrades, expansion, and retooling to prepare for the next generation of Cadillac sedans, according to the spokesperson. Um, they'll consist of three sedans positioned in different segments and clearly differentiated by size and price. The compact ATS, midsize CTS, and large XTS uh, will be replaced by two new sedans. One of the new sedans is expected to uh, come out next year. The CTS, the CT6 will remain Cadillac's flagship, beginning with the new XT4 compact crossover that goes on sale this fall. Cadillac says it's planned to launch a new model every six months through 2021. I don't know how many times I've heard car manufacturers say, we're going to launch a new model every six months for the next five years. And they end up launching two because they find out, well, that didn't work. 
but we'll have to wait and see. The new XT6 three-row crossover expected um, to be next after the XT4. When Cadillac unveiled the ATS in 2012 at the Detroit Auto Show, the brand touted the car as equal to the best of Germany's small luxury sedans, such as the BMW 3 Series, Audi A4, Mercedes C-Class. It was Cadillac's first small car since the... I have no idea. (laughs) And that is going to be trivia. Oh, my goodness. And I think we'll just give out a regular trivia prize, but we have two things going on. But anyway, what was the name of Cadillac's first small compact sedan? If you know the answer, give us a call at 617-770-3030, 617-770-3030. What was the little Cadillac called? It was an awful car, which is why they stopped oh, making it. I th- was it like the size of the Fiero? Yeah, it's a kind of, <laughs> kind of. But, uh, but uh, it was an awful car. We'll just call it that. It was actually built on the same platform as the Chevrolet Cavalier, which was oh, also an awful car. Yes, yes. So if you know the answer to that, give us a call at 617-770-3030, 617-770-3030. But I'm also having a prize drawing. This requires no work on Dennis's part. So he has nothing to do with the prize drawing. So you can either write to me here, care of the radio station, where apparently I get mail once in a while. And our, our, uh, our so, you know, Car Doctor, care of WROL Radio, 500 Victory Road, Quincy, Mass, 02171. And you can... You can say, enter me into the contest to win, or you can email me at jpaul at aaanortheast.com, jpaul at aaanortheast.com, and the prize is a scale model of Bob Tasker's funny car. I have a scale model of Bob Tasker's funny car, and it's very, it's very well done. And uh, we will send you this scale model funny car. It doesn't run or anything. It's the model. So, but uh, but I have I have one, and uh, it's it's actually his previous generation funny car. Uh, yeah, previous generation. Uh, it's technically, I guess, an alcohol car, and it is. Um, in fact, how I found it was, I was cleaning my desk. And there at the bottom of a file cabinet drawer, there it sat. And back when uh, we had uh, the Ford AAA auto skills, I had Bob come to uh, to one of the dinners one night. And he actually gave out two of these cars to the students, and he autographed them. And he gave one to me. He said, I want you to have one, too. But... Um, but I'm gonna I'm gonna give it away and 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 I forgot I actually had it until I was going through some stuff so I actually had it. In fact, I've been kind of cleaning out. We're 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 moving our office space at work. We're I don't know where we're going, somewhere in the building. So I've been kind of going through stuff and I had uh, I had a bunch of Hemmings cars, where I also have some at home as well. But they they say Hemmings Motor News on the side of them, and I had a bunch of them sitting on a file cabinet. And one of our one of our truck drivers is um, it has a son who's very interested in cars, 
And he's, I don't know, he's six, seven, eight years old or something like that. And uh, I gave him a car once before, and he he had his father take a picture of him and put the picture in a card and wrote me a thank you note. And um, now he wants to build a diorama. So I gave him a few more cars. And I also, back from quite vintage, 2002, I have a little Hemmings gas station that's about 18 inches long. And I gave him that. So he's uh, So he's like... So and and it's, and it's it's kind of funny. On the way home from work, he called me up and he said, "Hey, John, it's uh, it's John B. Uh, uh, are you sure you want to give these away? These are nice." And I said, "I said no, no. I want you to have them. Your son really appreciates them. And his son, maybe his son's ten, and uh, his son actually got into an argument with his teacher at school." Because his um, his teacher said something about naming some kind of Dodge or something, and he said Belvedere, and his teacher said, "There's no such thing as a Belvedere," and he said, "Yes, there is." So he had to like get a book and prove it and prove it wrong. Okay, so what was the small Cadillac called? Let's talk to Peter. Peter, do you have an answer? Yeah, the Catella. Uh, no. No, but that was also an awful car. And, and, and I don't know, and I, I'm probably the only one who actually remembers this, but I think it was a lawyer TV show. I don't remember what it was called. And, okay. and the, the lead character, one of the characters in it was Lisa Katera. And okay. and I'm like, come on! And it was sponsored by Cadillac, so all they were trying to do was constantly get people to go. I think I need the Lisa Katera. But right. that was, but that was also an awful car, but not as awful as this one. But thanks for thanks for calling in. Okay, thanks. All right, thank you. Bye bye. Let's talk to. Uh, looks like uh, Mike and Hingham. Michael. Michael. No. Are you there, Michael? Maybe not. Let's go to uh, let's go down to Kevin. Hello, Kevin. Hello. Yeah. Hi. How you doing? Good. How are you? So, what do you good, think this? Good. What do you think this awful Cadillac was? Well, I think it was a glorified Vega. It was a Cimarron. Well, it was a glorified Cavalier, but you're close enough. Yeah, it was a and and it was. I remember actually seeing one at. Uh, when I went to when I went to General Motors School, they would have all the newest products at General Motors School, and when I was there, they had a they had a Cadillac um, Cadillac there, and it had wind up windows and a stick shift. And I'm, like, and I'm like, how can this thing even be a Cadillac? You know, with the and not that you can't have a sporty Cadillac, and that's fine. But this thing, this thing had the four-cylinder Cavalier engine in it, and it was, it was just, it was awful. So it really was an embarrassment. It, it really was, and and you know they were trying to come up with something, and and you 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 know you have to wonder what what were they thinking at the time because it just wasn't it wasn't particularly well thought out when they came up with it. But I'll tell you what, stay right there. We will we will uh, we'll send you out some kind of prize and. Uh, and uh, go from there. I love that interview with uh, Bob Casca. I was up at Epping a few weeks ago, and I saw him up there. And um, I'm glad to see he's, uh, he's making waves in that division. Yeah, he, he really is. You know, his previous division, he was number one. 
And now when he's when he stepped up to this, you know, just you know, more horsepower, more power, more, and and what it comes down to is more money. You know, and uh, and you know, Ford Ford left him for a while. I remember talking to his father, you know, Bob the second, and uh, and he said, I uh, said, so, so what's up with uh, Ford Ford pulling out of racing? And he said, we don't want to do it, but we might have to put Chrysler on the front of our on the front of our race car. And that never happened. He he managed to he managed to keep it a Ford because they are a Ford family, and and he readily admits he's a Ford kid. So. Um, and not so much a kid anymore, but still, he is making some waves in that. And you know, he's he's a he's a he's a local guy who you know he's always he's always in the running somewhere. So, and he is he is listed as having some of the quickest reaction times of any driver out there. He is when that light changes. I I don't I don't know how he does it. And he said to me one day, um, uh, he said to me one day that uh, it was a. Uh, Anybody who tells you going down the racetrack that they can see that they that they think about it, they're not they're lying to you because he said when you're going zero to three hundred and thirty miles an hour in under three and a half seconds, you don't have time to think about anything. And I, I and the other thing he told me, which was kind of interesting, was you know he has a lot of experience driving driving this car, and but if you add it all up at three seconds at a time. <laughs> you know, he's probably got eight minutes worth of experience. Yeah, <laughs> you know. I, I think it, from, from being up there, I think that was the only Ford represented in that yeah, uh, yeah. top funny car. Yeah, it, it may it may have been, it may have been. And then our Which buddy, and then our buddy uh, Brian Loans from Abington uh, did some of the tower work up there. So I, I feel like it was all family. So uh, so uh, good for you for knowing it was a Cimarron. And we'll uh, Dennis will get your address and we'll send you out something. Okay. Yeah, thanks. Great All right. show, John. All right, thank Bye-bye. you. Bye bye. We need to take a break, pay some bills. We'll let Dennis do that. We'll get, let Dennis take care of he's doing everything. I'm just gonna I'm gonna take a little nap. My name's John Paul. This is the Car Doctor program. We will be back with Bobby Brooks and the Irish Hit Parade coming up in not uh, like eight minutes. We'll be right back. Okay, now I know. The uh, we we've gotten some obscure car music in there, and I I don't know where it came from actually, but not for me. I think it might have come from Jeff. It has to be Jeff. Yeah. Does Jeff still work here? I have no idea. Yeah, I know he. Well, he. How would you know? Because he worked like a weird overnight, and mm-hmm. yeah, but it was good, good guy. Uh, Korean brands NAB top three J.D. Power quality surveys. Uh, Genesis topped its annual U.S. report card on the 2018 new car quality, followed by Kia in second and Hyundai in third, making the first time South Korea's chief brands have topped the closely watched J.D. Power initial quality survey. Porsche and Ford brand rounded out the top five at the bottom were Land Rover, Jaguar, Volvo with their complex infotainment system. Uh, Yeah, you put too much junk in a car. And it confuses the buyer, and then it doesn't work right, or they don't think it works right, and you wonder why. And I've been saying it for a while: too many, too much touchscreen stuff, too many things. Um, 
Porsche, who actually has an electric car, bought a 10% stake in a company called Rymac, Rymac, a, a Croatian startup that specializes in super-fast electric supercars. Porsche said the main focus is supplying high-voltage battery technology, electric powertrains, and development of digital interfaces between man and machine. Uh, man, Digital interface, robot uprising. It's going to happen. It is. Uh, Volkswagen and Ford are exploring development uh, and production alliances for commercial vehicles, including vans. Possibly other projects that could strengthen both companies. Ford said automakers have signed a memorandum of understanding. So, um, And one of the most interesting Ford lawsuits out, professional wrestler John Cena. You're yeah, a wrestling fan? You know who he is? Yeah, yeah. You can't see me. Yeah. yeah. The champ is here. <laughs> Uh, he has settled with Ford for an undisclosed amount following the automaker's lawsuit against him for the sale of his 2017 liquid blue GT supercar. Um, what happens was when you bought this very limited production $500,000 supercar, the Ford GT, part of the deal was you couldn't sell it. You had to buy it and keep it because they didn't want people – because they sold them at, in theory – what the sticker price was on the car. And they didn't want people profiting from buying the car. So John Cena probably bought one and sold it, and Ford sued him and said, you broke the sales contract that came with the car. You can't resell it. And I guess Ford won, and they're giving the money to charity. So good for them. Good on them. Yeah. So so the other thing I wanted to mention about California, sorry, um, my son was – Obsessed with taking pictures of cars that he can see out there that he can't see in here. And there was a ton of Bentleys and uh, Rolls Royces. Yep. Um, there was a Rolls Royce parked at a um, mall area that we went to, roped off, and it had a sticker price on there. He went to touch the car. I told him, don't you dare put a finger on that car. And he's like, why? I had him look at the, at the sticker price. Sticker price was $375,000. My son was just like, I'm not even breathing on the car. <laughs> I had one of those in my driveway. Yeah, and I told I told him that you drove one once. He was like, what? <laughs> yeah, and, and you know, a, a car that, you know, it, it was interesting. While it was in my driveway, it, you know, more than doubled the price of my house. So, yeah. <laughs> Exactly. <laughs> you know, so, and I, you know, I, I live pretty simple. It's not like, uh, you know, so, but anyway. Hey, standing behind you is Bobby Brooks. He's standing right there. He's standing right there. He's... Good morning, good doctor. Good morning. And lovely bride. Nice to see both of you. Well, we just thought we'd come in and hang around. I haven't been in the studio as much. You know, I've been kind of broadcasting from the kitchen table a lot lately, so thought we'd come into the studio today. Because uh, I was back. Because Dennis was yeah, back. Was wanted, to wanted, to back see him, wanted to see him in person. Yeah. And uh, Paul Sullivan, you said, is at a family yeah, wedding? Yeah, huh? yeah. Uh, Paul and I communicated during the middle of the week. He's at a family wedding, so it's all good stuff. And, you know, I know we were sharing this when, you know, during one of the last commercial breaks. And when I know in advance that I have to do this, I have these crazy dreams at night. My last night dream was when I got to the studio and they moved WROL. The studio wasn't there. And Pat Ryan was here, said we had a big meeting. It was 10 minutes of 10. I said, I got a show to do. And I wake up like in a sweat. Yeah, I, I you know, it's, it's, it's you know, you, you're, you kind of, you fill in pretty regularly. You, oh, you're yeah, here sure, pretty yeah. regularly. Yep. Um, I'm here every Saturday, but still, I do the same. T- I get, I get, 
you know, still, even though I've been here for 11 years, I was at another station for 10. I was at another station for a couple before that. It's still every every time the microphones come on, and I can tell you, after after being here for 90 minutes, I'm tired. Yeah, sure, you know, yeah. so so it is. You know, it is. It has a little bit of stress to it. It's, it's always fun. You get to play great Irish music. It's a lot of fun. And yeah. you get to and you get also to you know talk with our listeners in between, oh, which is always best. which is always nice when you when you get when you, when you get to see what's going on with them and what they're looking for and um, you know same thing. I try to offer up a little advice, a little bit of entertainment, and it's all good. Yeah, it's all good. Yeah, it's it's, it's great. We talked about the whole Cadillac thing. Oh know, yeah, I've yeah, you know, it, you know, and and uh, you know, Paul Sullivan always says to me, you know, I love that, you know, that few minutes we do together, That's you nice. know. At the end, he says it's fun. So yeah, it is fun. Yeah. So filling in for Professor Paul Sullivan is our buddy Bobby Brooks, oh, good. and he is, uh, and we know. Speaking of speaking of our, our other Irish hosts, we know they're all going to be listening online. I know. You know, Johnny Costello, right now, I, I bet saying his name, he's he's listening right he's this very minute. Jumping through the streets in Dorchester. That's right. Delivering That's the right. Delivering mail. the mail, listening online. So the very best in Irish music coming up with Bobby Brooks and the Irish Hit Parade. Irish music for the rest of the day right here on AM 950 WROL, the spirit of Boston. Till next week, wear your seatbelt, drive safely, be good to your car. Talk to you all next week. Bye-bye.